All right, we're good to go. I'll be the first to say three weeks of not meeting is too long. I have missed uh, seeing all of you in this class. I hope you did have a good Christmas and a new year. Um, we have finished out the book of Romans, and I certainly enjoyed it. I hope you uh, benefited from that. Uh, certain things uh, actually changed in my world life view as we went through that uh, in depth more than I have in a long time, and maybe it had the same effect on you, but we're going to treasure that for a while, and today we're back into the Old Testament, and we're picking up in our history of Israel, and David is king now of Israel. Just to give you a broad overview, remember uh, Samuel was the prophet and he was the main leader for Israel before they had kings. The people wanted to have a king so they'd be like the other nations around them. And God said, all right, if you want to refuse me, you can do that. And they decided they really wanted to do that. So they had a king named Saul, and Saul started out really well. He was given, we're told, a new heart by God. He organized the nation together. They had some successful battles. And then his own ego got in the way. And as he began to depend more upon himself and not upon God, he actually lost the kingship. And God had Samuel anoint a new king, David, who had to wait for quite a while before he could take that kingship on because Saul was chasing him throughout the country, even into other countries. And remember, David had some time with the Philistines. And then after a battle was fought and Israel was defeated, the Ark of the Covenant was captured. And in the process, it was brought back. The Philistines were plagued by God because they kept that there. They brought that back, and it stayed in one place for 20 years. And that was the time through which the transition came about from King Saul to King David. And David, as we find now in 2 Samuel chapter 6, is where we're starting this, David is consolidating his empire. He is now fully king, not only of Judea, but all of Israel. And the capital is there in Jerusalem. And he is setting himself up there to do everything according to what the Lord says he should do. Now, one of the things you need to know as I read, it's just a short passage I'm going to read out of that chapter, uh, but there's some history to the Ark of the Covenant, and we'll get to that right after I ask God to guide us as we come to his word and seek his truth for our lives. Let's pray. Father, we could start a new, a new year with fear because of all that we see happening in the world around us and for some of us in our own lives. And yet how grateful we are that there is no place for that for followers of you. For you and your spirit drive out all fear. We have nothing to be afraid of. For we are yours and you are ours. You are our father. We are your adopted children. We are part of that heavenly family. And we look forward to being joined with you without any sin to separate us in a new heaven and a new earth. Until then, Lord, help us to be good children on this earth and live lives and say words that bring honor to you. 
We thank you that we have your word to guide us and instruct us and ask now that you will work through your word to lead us again into a new understanding of how we are to lead our lives as your children. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. 2 Samuel chapter 6, just verses 5 through 7. This is just a little slice out of what is happening in this inaugural event for King David. David and all the house of Israel were making merry before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Uzzah. And God struck him down there because of his error, and he died there beside the ark of God. I hope you're wondering what in the world is he going to teach us out of that. And it is really a very good lesson because the title of this lesson today is Obedience is Better Than Good Intentions. Obedience to God is better than good intentions. And Uzzah had the best intentions in mind. We can see from reading this, he was part of the priestly group that was leading the ark from where he'd been staying for those 20 years when he'd come back from the Philistines, coming into Jerusalem. And they had it on a cart being drawn by oxen. The oxen stumbled, the cart started to tip, and Uzzah reached out to grab it to steady the ark so it wouldn't fall down, break apart. And that was his mistake. His good intention was to stabilize it, but instead God struck him down dead. And it immediately ended the celebrations, as you can imagine. And the ark stayed right where it was. And David lamented this because they were celebrating all that God had done for them. What had gone wrong? Well, there is some history about this. As I was describing that to you before opening prayer, the Philistines captured the ark, remember, way back in a battle when Saul was killed. It was brought back to Israel and there, while they were taking care of it, it came back on a cart because the Philistines didn't have any idea what to do with this object that was causing all sorts of diseases and death every town it went to in Philistia. So they sent it back with these two cows and a, and a cart with no driver. And it was led by those cows right up to a place in Israel. Well, when it got there, there were 20 men who thought, wow, this is really neat. Look, we've got the Ark of the Covenant. So they opened the lid to look in, and all 20 of them were killed. Now, for some of you may have seen the, uh, the adventure movie where the Ark features itself in there, and it, it kills all these Nazis at the end when they try to open it up and take a look. That's a pretty good elaboration from Hollywood. What this is describing actually did happen. And it brought such fear among the people, they just left the ark right there. Now David wants to bring it back into Israel, and I hope you realize what the problem is. As they put it on a cart, and they're leading it into Israel, they're not obeying what God said. You can go back to Exodus chapter 37, when the ark is being built, and integral into the whole building of the ark itself, and when it was to be carried around with the Israelites in the desert, for all those years of wandering, were the poles put through rings on the side, 
And the Levites alone were to take this up and put it on their shoulders and carry it to the next place. That was what God had said was to be done. No cart with poles. So with good intentions, but disobeying God brought Uzzah his own demise. And he knew better. He was part of that family of Abinadab that lived in the place where the ark had been residing and the Levites were taking care of it there. So he knew better. But for whatever reason, they decided this was the better way to do it. Maybe it was because that's how it had arrived to them from the Philistines, but it was not what God said should be done. His intention was to steady the ark. God's law said it should be moved with these poles only. So the good intention ended up in the demise of Uzzah. Now, that's the theme I want us to look at as we think of the implications of this for our lives. You and I, in our lifetimes, have had many good intentions along the way. But disobeying God is still wrong. And God has revealed to us how he wants us to live. As believers in Jesus Christ, as men and women who honor the word of God in its entirety, we find that God has revealed his will to us in the word of God, the Bible, scriptures. We have the Ten Commandments. We have Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6. We have Romans chapter 1 that talks about the conscience that God has placed in each individual. So even if they don't have the word of God, looking at nature, they know there is a God and he is to be worshipped alone and to guide in what is right and what is wrong. God has revealed himself to his creation from the very beginning, from Adam all the way to this day. And there is no excuse for saying, I did not know. Overall, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us. We receive that Spirit of God when we come in confession and acceptance of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God comes in and indeed gives us a new heart. The New Testament is full of teaching about that. So we have this guide that helps us understand this word that influences the way we live our lives. And there is a tension between the law of God and the grace and the mercy of God. But as Jesus said over and over again, he did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. And the law was a good thing that led people to realize their need of forgiveness from Almighty God and to realize he was a merciful God and he did forgive sin and he would bless those who have confessed their sin to him and wanted to follow him. But consequences don't change what God said is right or wrong. For the Christian, there is no such thing as situational ethics. What we decide to do in our lives is not to be steered by the attitude of the culture around us. It's not to be steered by our own common sense if it goes against what God has said is right to do with our lives. 
Yes, it's good to have common sense. It's good to use our minds and to depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us as we make decisions and lead our lives. But don't let the circumstances of your life or of the life around us to cause us to disobey the word of God. Because that has consequences, maybe not as drastic as what Uzzah experienced, but still very real. We've all thought that we knew better than God at some point. And when we have done that, we have suffered because of it. It brings about conflict. It brings about confusion. It brings about sadness because we did not live life the way God said it should be lived. Now, there's obviously, as I said, a tension here. We don't want to be legalistic about we have to do all this, this, and this so God will accept us. But neither do we want to be libertines that say, I can do anything I want to because the blood of Christ covers it. Paul talked about that in Romans. It was a problem. The real mark is that we honor the law of God. We don't obey it trying to earn favor with God, but we obey it because we love God. And his spirit guides us to live our lives the way he said they should be lived. The consequences of disobeying God, even if we have good intentions, is suffering and pain and confusion. Don't bring trouble upon yourself because you don't know God's word. Remember at the start of this, I said we really don't have an excuse to say, well, I didn't know God. That's not an acceptable response. As believers in Christ, we know he's revealed himself in our hearts by his Holy Spirit, through his word, and through those who have taught his word to us throughout our years. Now, God may not strike us dead because of our good intentions and disobeying what he says is right, but when we disobey, we invite conflict and turmoil into our lives. It is a given thing. It may come quickly or it may extend out for a long way before, but it will bring conflict between ourselves and God. It disrupts that communion. It's called sin, even with the best of intentions. But when we obey, when we do obey, many times in contradiction to the culture around us, and maybe to the advice of well-meaning people. But when we do obey, we have peace and we have a better life. Now, I need to qualify that because every one of you here knows that it doesn't mean it's an easier life. Better does not mean easier. Better means we have the peace of God in our hearts. Even when difficulties come, we are not afraid. We aren't going to give up hope. We simply trust in God that much more. When we obey, we have peace and a better life. Now this works its way way out in all of our lives. In our own family life, God has said there are ways to live as a Christian family. And we disregard that to our own peril. In our church life, 
Scripture has given us an understanding of what a Christian church is to be like and how we're to operate. And if we think we know better than that, it's going to cause confusion and conflict. If we arrange our church life the way Scripture describes it, it brings harmony and prosperity, not in a financial sense, but in a growth sense. In our business life, many of us in here have done our business, we're in retirement, but still the principle is there. You are ethical. You are as good as your word. If you say you will do something, you will do it. If you say you will be there at a time, you will be there. It is a mark of a Christian, and it is something that is lost in today's culture and throughout the world. Eventually, it's going to be only the Christians that really have the strength of character to say, I am as good as my word. Because everyone else is going to be on a relative basis. Well, I'll keep it because it's most advantageous. But it doesn't really matter. I can get profit by it. No. In our leisure life, our best intentions are no good if we are disobeying what God says we're to do with our time and talents and energy. And you can translate that in a lot of ways. There are two in particular that are favorites of mine that I still deal with in my life. One is a tithe, and the other is Sabbath day observance. And the more I've realized it, those two are actually intertwined. And they are meant for our good and for our peace of mind. Because when we are able to give a tenth of what we have earned or an income we receive, and when we are to serve one day as unique and special to celebrate who Jesus Christ is and what he's done for us, it breaks the tyranny of profit and of capitalism and of gain. And the more I dwelt on this, the more I realized capitalism without Christ is a deadly thing because only profit and greed and power will rule. With Jesus Christ, it is the best system in the world because Christians know I want what's best for my neighbor. I want to volunteer to help other people. It's not all about me. It's about how I can be used of God to help others. That's what made this country great. Now, there are not many people that seem to be saying that in the public arena, but it is true. To break the power of the world over us, of more money, of more leisure time, more things I can do with myself, it's going to bring difficulty. The law is there for our comfort, not for our oppression. As Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. It's for us to have one day out of seven, which means the other six are busy, not the other five, and we stop and we worship God and we don't involve ourselves in making a living. Now, there are exceptions and there are situations I know that come up and we have to deal with those on an individual basis, but this is what Scripture seems pretty clear about. Good intentions even in our thought life. So we're doing pretty well in terms of our family. We're doing pretty well in terms of our church. We're doing pretty well in terms of our business. We're doing pretty well in our leisure. How are we doing with our thoughts that nobody else sees? Nobody else is aware of it. 
But we know what we're thinking about this person or about that person or about ourselves or even about God. Obedience is better than good intentions. Now, Jesus, it's a very short verse, and it's easy to memorize until I forget it, so I'm looking it up again. But Matthew 14, 15, the words of Jesus, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, what are his commandments? Well, it's over and over to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest of the commandments. You are to love others as I have loved you. And all of that is built on the foundation of the moral law that's in the Ten Commandments that was revealed by God thousands of years ago. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then, this is a passage I used, I think, a month ago when we last met, and it just rang in my mind over and over again with this passage about Uzzah and the ark and the difference between good intentions and obedience. And it's in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now, I've got some work to do on that, and I imagine you do too. But this is the, the guide. This is what God says in his word we are to think on in our thought life and in our attitudes toward others. I hope you'll remember Uzzah and the difficulty he brought upon himself because of his good intentions rather than his obedience. The hymn I have for this is one I was not familiar with, but it really does express the truth that is here. Take thou our minds, dear Lord. Take thou our minds, dear Lord, we humbly pray. Give us the mind of Christ each passing day. Teach us to know the truth that sets us free. Grant us in all our thoughts to honor thee. Take thou our hearts, O Christ, they are thine own. Come thou within our souls and claim thy throne. Help us to shed abroad thy deathless love. Use us to make the earth like heaven above. Take thou our wills most high. Hold thou full sway. Have in our inmost souls thy perfect way. Guard thou each sacred hour from selfish ease. Guide thou our ordered lives as thou dost please. Take thou ourselves, O Lord, heart, mind, and will. Through our surrendered souls, thy plans fulfill. We yield ourselves to thee, time, talents, all. We hear and henceforth heed 
thy sovereign call. Obedience really is better than good intentions. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we don't have to do this in our own power and strength. Thank you for the conviction of your word and thank you for your Holy Spirit who guides us and strengthens us and gives us the ability that comes from outside of ourselves to be obedient to children and to live a Christian life with joy, with hope, and satisfaction and peace because we are living it the way you say it should be lived. Guide us in this week ahead in all that we do, Lord, that we be aware of your goodness and of your truth that leads us into peace and hope. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.